0: to see so many of you today, uh, so many of you who want to start the year off right with the Lord. And it so happens that 1st January coincides with Sunday, so I, I'm sure that's, that's a greater reason also why there's so many of us here this morning. I hope that you got enough sleep after the celebrations last night, uh, and yeah, yeah I, I just look forward to the year ahead with you. Come, let's pray. But, Father, we want to look to you this morning, that even as we look towards the new year, we thank you for the year past, and Lord, we commit to you the year that we are at the very beginning of. And so, Lord, we pray that you will help us to set the tone with your word, your truth for us today. May we be open to all that you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, yesterday, for those okay, how many of you here yesterday? watch night service? Uh, okay, okay, so so uh, just just a, a quick recap for those of, of you who were not able to join us yesterday, we looked at uh, we, we looked at two aspects of approaching the new year, right? One was looking back, so we looked back at what uh, and we remembered what we had to learn from 2022. And we also look back and see what we are thankful for in 2022. And then we look forward with hope for the new year. Now today, I'd like to set the tone for our church this year. And if I were to describe the past three years, I would use the following words. For 2020, I would use the word crisis. Yeah, so many aspects of our lives as we knew it was thrown into disarray by the pandemic and I'm sure all of us were, had, had our lives greatly affected in some way or another. I would say that was a year of crisis. For 2021, I think of the word adapting. Right? When we were getting used to a new normal, our circumstances prolonged uh, and we were trying to grapple and manage with the different waves of uh, COVID waves, MCO, uh, open up, close back, open up, close back, right? And we were managing that. 2022, I think I would call it emerging. Uh, the, the picture I get of 2022 is like this turtle, okay, That that is inside the shell, and just poke out a little bit, right, and, and test the air, uh, starting up very tentative, very uncertain, eventually gaining confidence to poke the head out all the way uh, towards the end, end of the year. But today, for 2023, I think the word I like to use is recovering. Okay? Turn to somebody next to you and say recovering. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do this a lot huh, to make sure that you're awake. Yeah, but when I talk about recovering, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about reverting to an exact carbon copy of life before the pandemic. In our 47th track session that was just completed, sorry, the picture's quite small, but this basically, uh, the, the, the 47th track session, okay, so all the leaders of uh, our English-speaking Methodist churches all coming together, uh, just a little month Uh, A little over a month ago, uh, during one of the sessions, uh, one of our district superintendents made an observation of the churches in his district. And I think that his observation applies to most, if not all, our districts, including we are part of the Northern District, uh, if you're not aware. So I, I think his observations apply to most, if not all, of our districts. And he was saying that the way our churches in general were negatively impacted by the pandemic and the subsequent lockdowns. So he, he mentioned some issues, decline of regular worshippers, aging congregation, lack of leaders. He was saying that these issues that became very apparent and very clear during the pandemic These issues were not caused by the pandemic. They were already present before then. But the pandemic dialed it up to 11, and it accelerated it. So when I talk about recovering, I'm not talking about time-travelling back to 2019 and reinforcing whatever caused such issues. Instead, when I say recovering, I'm talking about taking what we have learned from the past three years and recovering God's vision for His church. And so we don't just want to look at what things used to be like last time like this. Why now not like that? We want to recover God's vision for His church. And what did He intend His church to be? That's what we want to recover. And as I was seeking the Lord on this, he drew Acts chapter two verse forty-two to my attention, and so this is what Mary read for us just now. Of course, we just finished a pulpit series on the book of Acts, and so we had already come across this very recently. But over the past few months, this word "devoted," this word "devoted," has been ringing in my head. Turn to somebody next to you and say "devoted." Okay, let it ring in your head as well. Right And, and a, a conviction has been growing in me over the past few months that this year we need to recover what it means to be a devoted church. So over the next three years, three years, over the next three weeks, <laughs> three weeks, uh, we will be examining what a devoted church looks like in three parts. The first part, which is today, uh, we'll be looking at what it means to be a church devoted to God's teaching. Next week, we will look at what it, well, what it means for, uh, to be a church devoted to fellowship and the breaking of bread. And the week after that, what it means to be a church devoted to prayer. And so, takeaway today is simple, that a devoted church is devoted to God's teaching. Now, let's look at what this means. What does it mean to be a church that is devoted to God's teaching? Before going further, I just want to quickly clarify. Uh, Acts 2.42 says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, so I'm not trying to change what the Bible is saying here. But within the context of this verse, the apostles being referred to are the 12 who witnessed the risen Jesus and performed signs and wonders. And their role at this point of time was to lay the foundation for the church of Jesus Christ. So they were doing the the construction work, right? They were going around teaching the churches, what is the gospel? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Who is this Jesus that they had encountered? Today, this role of apostle is no longer necessary because the foundation of the church has already been laid. And so the existence of modern day apostleship is not something that we recognize. So you may hear in in different places, this person calls himself apostle, this apostle, that. uh, Maybe they mean it in a different sense, but uh, it it does not carry the same role and authority as the apostles, Peter, James, John, Paul, and, and so on. Okay, but coming back to this verse, the apostles' teaching, what were they teaching? Well, they taught the gospel, right? And they taught the teachings of Jesus that they had heard from him. Now, although the the Old Testament was already available back then, the New Testament was still in the making, okay? So they didn't have the New Testament during the period of Acts. And so the, the early church didn't have access to the gospel or the teachings of Jesus except through the people who had heard him right uh, during our Christmas Eve celebration our group uh, the young adults group we played an icebreaker uh, uh, a twist uh, a version of this game called Chinese Whispers right you know that one right I think it's a very racist name for <laughs> that. Uh, broken telephone uh, that that's a more politically correct name yeah it, that, that game, you know that one where, where you pass one message along, by the time it reaches the end, the last person, the message is distorted and it's different, right? Very different from the original. So the apostles were the closest to the source of, the, the original source of teaching, Jesus himself. And they recorded it down in gospels and letters of what would become our uh, New Testament. So basically what I'm saying is that today the apostles teaching is really the word of God, God's teaching, which is found in the Bible. Okay, following me so far? Yeah, the apostles' teaching is the word of God. It is God's teaching. Okay, the next thing I wanted us to look at is the word devoted. Uh, sorry, it is very small, but basically this is a definition of the word devoted. One of the main ways that this word devoted is used today is to say that somebody is very loyal, very loving, right? You say, oh, this, this dog is so devoted to the master. Follow, follow them everywhere they go. Uh, that, that, that guy is such a devoted husband. He found out that his wife was terminally ill and he still you know, cares for her and, and took great care of her she's a devoted wife. She gave up her career so that he can focus on his. So that's usually how we use this word today, right? Very loyal, very loving. But that's not exactly what the word devoted means in Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Although most of the the major Bible translations use the, the English word devoted, the original Greek is this word Proskartereo. Say it with me. Proskartereo. Proskartereo. Okay, you learn one Greek word today. Uh, usually I don't b- try to break down the, the Greek words and confuse us, la, but I uh, just wanted to walk you through this. It's made up of two words. Okay, so it's a compound word, huh? made up of two words. Pros, which means towards something or with something. And katereo, which means to be steadfast. Okay, and this word katereo actually shares. Uh, it comes from another Greek word, kratos. Okay, which means might or strength. Okay, why am I telling you this? Because it, it shows you that the composition of the word, very specifically, doesn't mean to be very loving, very loyal. It means. To continue to endure with strength in something. Okay, to, to be steadfast, to have strength in continuing to endure in something. And so the implication is that to be devoted to God's teaching, devoted to God's uh, to 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 the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to be and, and to prayer, to be devoted to those things is to continuously do it even if it takes intense effort. Even if it is difficult to be devoted in it, is to persevere in it even when it is difficult. And so this will be a recurring theme throughout these next three weeks, that being devoted in these things, God's teaching, fellowship, and breaking of bread, and prayer, they will not always be easy to do. They will not be easy to continuously do over a long period of time. And strength, effort is needed when it gets difficult. I'm not saying it's going to be difficult all the time, Okay, or else it's it's a very charm sort of uh, uh, church experience. Um, But it is not always going to be easy. And so... Uh, one of the things that we are challenging all of us this year is especially those of us who are still online and have not yet come back in person. I'm talking to you. (laughs) Friends, we need to push past the convenience of remaining online. Why? Uh, Okay, let let me just say this. We we, uh, took our services online as a response to a need. Yeah, and the need was that we could not come, yeah? And so later, the need was still there that there would be uh, people who were vulnerable to to COVID, uh, comorbid, elderly, and all that, right? And so we recognize valid needs. However, uh, there is an aspect and dimension of church that is missing online. Uh, I know that God is everywhere. Uh, theologically correct, right? We can worship God anywhere and we should. However, coming together as a body of Christ is a very limited experience online. Uh, and, And I say this because I went through it too, right? In 2021, we all went through it. And I know the temptations. I know the temptations of multitasking. I know the temptations of losing focus. I know the temptations of just turning something on and considering our, our duty done for Sunday and, you know, do something else. But that is not what church is, friends. Church is people. Church is the body of Christ. And as it is now our online uh, worship services, we are not at a capacity or, or resource point where we are able to bring that dimension of church and body life online as well that is actually possible lah, if you've got online pastor lah, you've got online people to engage with people online all that but we don't have that yet okay so it is a limited it is a, a not ideal experience uh, to to uh, continue worshiping online if you can come in person and i'm sure all of you here will agree yeah, that being able to see the person next to you, being able to know that you are worshipping God together, being able to know that there are people who are different from you, diverse from you, some who are going through more challenges than you and still they come to worship God and you are encouraged by that. So friends, sometimes it is difficult, sometimes it is not easy to be devoted to something like worshipping God. But we need to push past the convenience of online worship. Those who are worshipping online because of valid needs, that's fine. But if you can come, please come. Okay, so that is what it means to be devoted, that we push past, we, we endure something with strength and effort when it is necessary. Oh, by the way, being devoted to God's teaching, specifically teaching, eh? being devoted to God's teaching is pretty much summed up in one word that you would have heard repeated many, many times by now. And that word is discipleship, right? And we, we have been saying, uh, we all need to be makers of disciples. Yeah? that we, uh, Discipleship is, is the, the key Core business of the church and all that. And so, the origins of the concept of a disciple is of an apprentice that lives with a master, observing, learning, and eventually reproducing their craft. So, if you have a a master carpenter, then the, the disciple of that carpenter lives with them, eats with them, and learns their trade, their craft. Any of you watch the IP Man eh not IP Man, Ip Man movies? Yeah, I, I I love these movies. Uh, I think in one of these movies it tells a story of how he he gets his first disciples, right? And they, they learn from him. They but because of their pride, they get the Wing Chun school in trouble. Uh. Uh, eventually they, they mature, right, and they are able to help to train other non-martial artists to fight for themselves and defend themselves against some invading force. Uh, A bit fuzzy on the plot. But basically, the the disciples learn from the master and then they they end up being able to reproduce uh, whatever they learned. Uh, I don't know how historically accurate those movies are, but the, the general idea of discipleship is there. It's not just learning the theory or the head knowledge It is also living it out in practice and eventually being able to pass it on. And this learning from the master is almost never an easy thing. Think about it. If it's so easy to learn from the master, then everybody will be a master at that thing, right? So it's not always easy to learn from the master. The English word disciple Also, shares the root word uh, uh, sorry, sorry, the English word disciple is the original root word for the word discipline. Because, okay, the two words are almost spelled the same, eh? but the very premise of being a disciple requires discipline. And so, being devoted to God's teaching, particularly through His word, it takes work. It takes effort, it takes strength to study the Bible and understand it, to actually read the Bible and and know what it says, to study it, understand it, and even then it takes steadfast endurance to go to the Word regularly when our lives are so busy with many other things that don't involve God's teaching. It takes effort to actually turn to the Word regularly. But I could say the same thing about schoolwork, right? And homework and studying for exams because that's not easy either and it takes a lot of effort, it takes a lot of work. But we place such a high value on teachings that only benefit us in this life and we're we're willing to make all sorts of sacrifices for it and persevere when it gets boring, persevere when it gets difficult, and even discipline ourselves until we are never too busy for our schoolwork, right? So why should we not place the same sort of value on God's teachings if they contain words of truth, words of wisdom, words of life, not just this life but for eternal life? if we believe that. I think here's a good place to pause and reflect. What has been your attitude towards studying God's Word and learning God's teachings of eternal value? How do you usually respond when it gets difficult? Let's take two minutes to reflect on this. Now that we have a better idea of what it means to be devoted to God's teaching, let's look at some of the fruit of being devoted to His teaching. That should give us a little uh, uh, more motivation of why we would want to be devoted to His teaching. If it requires strength, if it requires effort, why do we want to be devoted to His teaching? Now, the second passage that was read to us earlier uh, was from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And unlike many of Paul's other letters, he's not responding to some controversy, some sin, some false teaching. Instead, Paul is mainly writing just to instruct the church at Ephesus. And so, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13, Paul talks about equipping. Uh, And this word equipping talks about preparing something to become fit or functional, uh, literally to become perfect. Okay, But it's uh, progressing, preparing, working together so that it can become perfect. Okay, And so part of the equipping involves teaching. You see there that teachers are involved in this equipping. And the later part of Ephesians chapter 4 also talks about practical ways that the Ephesians were taught to live new lives in Christ and so a lot of what Paul is talking about here in equipping uh, is also talking about teaching and and, uh, being equipped is also about learning but in verse 11 onwards Paul lists down some fruits of being taught and equipped and the first fruit is unity being devoted to God's teachings unites us in the faith. We have a boys' brigade in our church. One of the things that they learn is called drill, okay? Basically, that's where they stand under the hot sun and they, they do the same, uh, learn, learn how to march, uh, learn how to do the formation and all that. And inevitably, Newer members who have yet to learn how to march and fall in and all that will be out of step with each other. So it's, it's very cute when you see this, this uh, new, new kid who just joined and then they, are, they, they do their fall in, they do their, their marching and all that and then the, the kid is trying to keep up and then everything is out of sync, everything is slightly behind. But eventually they learn, right? And when they all learn the same thing, they are able to move as one unit. They, and so being devoted to the same teaching, because it takes effort to go through drill, huh? they are devoted to it. Uh, being devoted to the same teaching can bring unity. Often when there's a division in a church, you'll find that one or more parties are not following God's teaching in responding to whatever that situation is. All right, maybe they know what the teaching is, but they're definitely not living it out. But when we are devoted to learning God's teaching, I remember discipleship involves learning through practice, not just lo- knowing about it. When we, when we are devoted to learning God's teaching, we experience unity in our church. A second fruit is spiritual maturity, discernment. That comes with spiritual maturity. Verse 14 says, we will no longer be like infants, tossed and blown about by every teaching. Now, in many of my conversations uh, with, with people over the past few years in different churches, uh, one popular question that will usually arise when people find out that I'm a pastor, uh, they will say, Ah, uh, Pastor, this one, Christians can. Uh, uh, so, it doesn't matter what topic, la, okay? It can be feng shui, uh, it can be eating fortune cookie, it can be uh, food served during cheng beng, uh, it can be getting a tattoo, it can be, you know, anything. And usually the question is the same. La. This one, Christians can. La. And then sometimes it gets a bit more complicated because, hey, pastor, I saw someone post on WhatsApp, uh, this pastor say this one, uh, or that church teach that one, or uh, how uh? Uh, well, when we are devoted to God's teaching, we are able to find the answers as to whether Christians can or cannot uh. right? And, and we won't be blown about by which church or which pastor said what or did not say what, right? And so, it uh, being devoted to the teachings of God brings maturity. The the writer of Hebrews urges his readers to be devoted to God's teaching that they don't have to depend on others to feed them God's Word as spiritual babies. Now friends, please don't misunderstand there is nothing wrong with being a spiritual baby because we all start there. We all start as spiritual babies. So those of you who are young in the faith and you you still depend on others uh, to, to teach you about what how to read the word of God and all that don't feel bad okay there is nothing wrong with being a spiritual baby all of us start there but there is definitely something wrong with remaining a spiritual baby if you have a 10 year old kid who is still behaving like a newborn and needs somebody to pick them up feed them and burp them and change their diaper something is wrong right And so being devoted to God's teaching helps us to stretch, to grow into spiritual discernment and maturity. A third fruit of being devoted to God's teaching is becoming more like Jesus. The entire Bible points to Christ and the Gospels go into great detail about who Christ was and how He lived. And so just very simply... Uh, one of the, the, the easiest ways that we ask, uh, that, that we, we try to, to see in a certain situation, how can we be Christ-like, right? And so we usually ask this question, what would Jesus do, right? And that's, that's a, a question prompting Christ-likeness in that situation. You know, if something happens, what would Jesus do in that situation? How can we be Christ-like in that situation? But… You cannot ask, what would Jesus do if you are still asking the question, what did Jesus do, right? If you don't know what Jesus did, how can you ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do? So, being devoted to God's teaching, learning about who Jesus was, what he did, uh, what what he calls us to, uh, helps us to be more Christ-like. We cannot be Christ-like without knowing the Word of God. Fourth fruit, devoting ourselves to God's teaching results in a healthy and growing church. Uh, when we come to know not just what God says about who we are, but also how we each individually have a role to build up the church in service, in disciple-making, the church grows healthier. The church grows more into the image and vision that God has for it. So, do you want Penang Trinity to be a healthy and growing church? One or not? Only a couple of people want. No. <laughs> do you want Penang Trinity to be a healthy and growing church? You say, Anna. <laughs> If you want Penelope to be a healthy and growing church, we all need to be devoted to God's teaching because we all make up the church. The church is not made up of only the church office or only the pastor or only the church leaders or only the people who serve on stage. The church is us, all of you, all of us. We are the church. And if only a few know and follow God's teaching, then only a few parts of the church will be healthy. Even though it is God's church, He uses each and every one of us to build it up. Second question. Between unity, spiritual maturity, Christ-likeness and healthy growing church which of these fruits of being devoted to god's teaching do you yearn for the most and why two minutes Hopefully by now you desire to be devoted to God's teaching. So, what does it look like? What does it look like to be devoted to God's teaching? Well, since Acts chapter 2, verse 42 tells us that the early church devoted themselves to God's teaching, what did it actually look like? Well, we see that at this point, they met every day. Okay? Every day they continued to meet together. Uh, and they, they also, uh, Paul also tells Timothy around this period now to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. And so for the Church of Acts, their daily gathering involved listening to the Old Testament and a, a lesson or a sermon from it. And then there will also be public readings of the Letters of the Apostles. I remember once again, the New Testament wasn't available at this point, right? And they were still living through that period. So much of their teaching comes from the Old Testament and also what the Apostles and other disciples that heard Jesus teach, the letters that were being written by them. And so they, they met daily to go through God's Word at that point. But by the mid second century, The typical gathering was on a weekly basis, usually on a Sunday. And so we are actually uh, inheriting that tradition from that point, okay? Passed down through millennia. Uh, One of the early church fathers, Tertullian, he lived between 160 to 212 AD. He wrote this about their regular meetings. And so we have a, a snapshot, a glimpse at what the early church meeting looked like. And he wrote this. He said, we meet together as an assembly and congregation to read our sacred writings with the sacred words. We nourish our faith. We animate our hope. We make our confidence more steadfast. And no less by inculcations of God's precepts, we confirm good habits. In the same place also, exhortations are made, rebukes and sacred censures are administered. Uh, A a lot of... um, Big, big archaic words that aren't commonly used today. But basically what it means is they came together regularly, they read the Bible, they learned from it, and they challenged each other to apply it, whether by encouraging or rebuking, correcting. Now friends, in our worship services, as much as I love the fact that we have come together in person to worship together, our worship services, we do incorporate this. So, if you see the, the, the flow, huh? right, that coming together regularly, reading the Bible, learning from it, uh, we, we do that, but I find the last bit lacking, yeah, uh, challenging the application. If I were to come up to you right now, to each of you, <laughs> and ask you, how would you answer the two reflection questions? And I ask each and every single one of you. Well, firstly, you probably won't come to this church again. But secondly, that process would take me six hours, right? If we have roughly 100, let's say 180 generous, and everyone spend only one minute on the question, on each question. Six hours to share. But there is another time and another place where we can come together regularly, we can read and learn the Bible together, and we can challenge each other to apply it, and it's called small group. And so being part of a small group is crucial to help us in our devotion to God's teaching. Turn to the person next to you and ask them, are you in a small group? So, you don't want to ask. Huh? So, you pretend you're here. If they say no, then tell them, hey, come to my small group. Hey, Noah, Noah. Uh, you'll find that as we look at what a devoted church looks like over the next two weeks, being part of a small group will continue to be a key part of it. Let me say that again. As we continue to look at what it means to be a devoted church, being part of a small group is a key part of it, at least within our church and structure and how we've been set up because of our size, because of our demographics and everything else. But wait a second, you might say. The early church didn't have as many commentaries and resources as we have. You know, There was no ODB, there was no YouTube sermons. Common people back then weren't educated enough to read and learn things on their own. That's why they had to meet together. Can't I be devoted to God's teaching on my own at home, right? That's called doing our devotion, right? Well, yes, I encourage you, yes, to continue devoting yourself to God's teaching regularly on your own. That is a great discipline to continue to make sure that you are seeking God every single day of your life. Uh, part of that, uh, uh, part part of that seeking God every day is through His Word. So again, we ha- we are starting our Bible reading plan this year uh, that that was announced just now. If you missed the QR code, you can go to this link: bit.ly/bitly/bit.ly/tmcbible two zero two three okay and then you can join the plan there so you can join the app or for those of you who are uh, app too small uh, cannot read uh, you can also listen to the entire thing okay and there is also a link for that uh yeah yeah if you want to find the link you you ask the office lah. i tell you now you'll forget okay you ask the office i'll give it to them so it's good to continue being devoted to God's teaching on our own. Yes. But there is no substitute for coming together with other believers to learn from God's word together. Because, well, one simple reason is it keeps us accountable, right? It's easier to be disciplined in searching the scriptures when there are other people to hold us accountable. And we know that being devoted to God's word uh It takes effort, it takes strength, it takes discipline. But not just that, we also benefit from the understanding and the perspectives of other believers. And we can also challenge and encourage each other in applying whatever that we learn. And also, well, everything is better with friends, right? So let's look at our final question for today. What would help you in your devotion to God's teaching? Or if you want to put it a different way, what would help you to be more devoted to God's teaching? Ask God for help in this area. Two minutes. So friends, I'd like you to know today, a devoted church is devoted to God's teaching. I'd like you to be devoted, be steadfast and endure with strength in your study and application of God's word and do come together with other believers and bear the fruit of devoting yourselves to God's teaching together. Let me just end with one last thing like Apple's keynote, one one last thing. In his recent bishop's address to the 47th track session, our bishop Joshua Kong, he challenged our track churches to three E's in this post-pandemic season. The first one, first E, emerging, he challenged us to emerge from the self-imposed shackles of lockdown so that we can participate in the body life of the church. Second E, enlist, He challenged us to enlist in God's call to rebuilding and restructuring the life of the church. And third E, engage. He challenged us to be engaged by God to tasks that are most needed, even if they are not to our preference. And so friends, in this year of 2023, let's be a devoted church. Let us all pull together to recover. What it means to be a devoted church together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.